Botas doesn't have a contract for next year. Neither he nor Hamilton do technically. Nobody thinks that Hamilton won't be there. And honestly, I don't, who would you put in the car instead of Valtteri? If you want a driver that's going to at least regularly deliver second place finishes. Well, the only one, of course, is under contract to Ferrari and his name is Charles Leclerc. Welcome to the Forza F1 podcast. I'm Aaron Jenkins, the editor of Forza Magazine, and with me, as always, is Andrew Frankel, Forza's Formula One editor. Before we get into the action in Hungary, which in some ways looked like Ferrari's best race of the season, I want to acknowledge all of our podcast listeners and all the readers of Forza who have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we've talked about on the podcast before how F1 has been affected, and we see that in every race. But Andrew, you and I have been sheltering in place here in Marin County in California, uh, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge, since mid-March. I've produced the last two issues of the magazine sitting at my dining room table. We've recorded these podcasts over Zoom, and there's still no end in sight. In fact, uh, two people at the Hungarian Grand Prix that took place earlier on today were affected. One of them was a very, very dear old lady, um, the cleaning lady. Um, she's, she's a huge Formula One fan and she's been attending, I think, the bathrooms for something like 35 years. And she's part of the establishment, but unfortunately she caught it and also a local electrician also caught it. But because uh, Formula One had these unbelievably strict rules and everybody else observed it, um, including things like driving straight back to the hotel um, and not going out and living in these little bio bubbles. The good news is that Hungary delivered, the race happened, and everybody's now going back to Britain. Let us not forget that most of the teams are stationed or, you know, residing just around the corner from Silverstone, where two races will take place. But in the meantime, let's get back to, uh, to today's events. Yes. So as I mentioned a moment ago, I thought that the 2020 Hungarian Grand Prix was, in some ways, Ferrari's best effort of the season. Uh, the red cars locked out the third row of the grid, whereas their previous best qualifying result was Charles Leclerc's seventh place in Austria, uh, the first Austria race. Um, so to be fifth and sixth is, I think, a significant step forward for them in terms of consistency, if nothing else. That said, of course, Mercedes easily qualified first and second with both cars nearly a full second ahead of the racing points, which were in third and fourth, the so-called pink Mercedes. But if this is Ferrari's true pace, and let's leave aside Red Bull for a minute, that means they're the third best car of the season, which would actually be an improvement over what we thought after the first two races. Do you agree with that? Well, having, uh, having uh, spoken to a lot of people and also reading what uh, uh, current team manager Binotto had to say, and when I say current, is because there are a lot of knives not exactly samurai swords, but an awful lot of knives are out uh, and they're claiming his blood, which is a little bit unfair. But um, as it's very interesting, actually, there is a gentleman who used to be at uh, Ferrari, James Allison. 
He now works for Mercedes, and he said, he was chief engineer, I believe, here, and certainly is now, and he said that the pressure on the team from the whole of Italy is absolutely indescribable, and when they win, the whole nation celebrates, and when they don't, then all hands let loose, and all the papers, Correra della Sera, La, La Repubblica, um, you know, Gazzato, Tutto Sport, you name it. They all come down on them like a ton of bricks, and it's very, very difficult to work under these circumstances. Yeah, um, Ross Braun, formerly the technical rec- director at Ferrari during the glory days of Michael Schumacher, and now working for uh, Formula One, said basically the same thing. Yes, it's, it's, it, it's all rather sad. It's all rather sad because to many people, uh, Ferrari is synonymous with Formula One. And I never forget once I heard the expression, um, my, the two most beautiful words in the English language are my Ferrari. Yeah, we talked about that last week, I think it was. But as I mentioned then, there's a big difference between the road car side and the Formula One side. And I don't think that in the big picture, the passion for Ferrari from the fans, from even non-racing fans has diminished at all. But after having been in the hunt, at least at the start of the season for the past several years, to be not even in the game is worse, I think, than anybody expected. They've taken a step backwards from last year. I mean, don't forget they were winning races. I mean, the, the, the glory day of Monza, 2019, I think that was one of the greatest celebrations I've ever seen at Monza. And I've been, you know, uh, for quite a few years. And it was just magnificent, this young Monagesque and his adoring public and, and dicing as we said, with Hamilton and winning. I mean, to come from that point to what happened today, you know, it, it does get a bit depressing. And it's quite difficult to go back to the factory and pick up the pieces. Well, even more so, if, if there's going to be, and, and we think there is, an Italian Grand Prix this year at Monza, it's not going to look like last year at all. If Ferrari has essentially lost its top speed advantage, it's going to be a long weekend. But what's even worse is that allegedly there'll be a race at Mugello. Yes. And this will be race 1000. Yes. For Team Ferrari. They've only missed out on 27 races since Formula One started 70 years ago. So that really would be sad to, to have Fettel lapped by Hamilton just like he was today. And as a quick aside, there might even be, they are hoping to have a third Italian race as well at Imola, but we'll see if that comes to pass as well. Um, let's look at a couple things in qualifying, or just one thing really, which was on his way to the grid, Max Verstappen of Red Bull crashed his car and broke his front left suspension, I believe it was. Yes, he was. Mechanics pushed him to the grid. And while there, they replaced the entire corner, the structural members, everything, bolted it all back together, got the wheel on with something like 35 seconds before they would have gotten a grid penalty, and off he went. And I've, I've seen cars break down on the grid. I've seen cars pushed off the grid into the pit lane. 
I've never seen any sort of repair like this. Well, if you ever meet some of these, let, let, let me, as they say, in English, they call them the lads. And these lads are very, very tough. Um, no nonsense, very hardworking. They've been known to, to spend, you know, what the, you call an all-nighter when you're rebuilding crashed cars and so on and so forth. And they sit together and they chair together. And sometimes, of course, when someone like Grosjean crashes yet again, they get depressed together. Um, they are a very unique breed. And, and it just showed just how spectacular they are. And as you know, and I know you were about to mention, Verstappen dedicated his second place to the lads who all live, who all live around Silverstone and can't wait to get home. Yeah, they've, the, the, the mechanics, the whole team has been essentially quarantined in Hungary, like you said, except for running between the circuit and the hotels. And almost all of them were in Austria for two weeks before that. So they get a weekend off and almost all of them will be home in Britain for the first time since whenever. Um, so Verstappen finished second. And what's even more impressive about that is that he started seventh after qualifying behind the Ferrari. So Red Bull's pace is a bit of a question at the moment as well. But there's no question at all about who's on top, and that is Mercedes. In a word, this was Lewis Hamilton's day. Qualified on pole, led into the first corner, had a seven-second lead by lap four, and that was all we saw of him until he pitted with a few laps from the end to put on soft tires and take that extra point for setting the fastest lap. And that's what I call rubbing it in. Yeah, that was painful for everybody else, especially his teammate who held the fastest lap up to that point. But that was Schumacher. Sorry, Schumacher. This is where this is going. This was Hamilton's 90th victory. So he's within five wins of Michael Schumacher's all-time record. It was certainly his 90th uh, uh, pole position and his 86th victory. Oh, I'm sorry. Not at all. Um, and but, as far as polls go, he already held the record. And it was his eighth, ring, eighth win at the Hungaro Ring, tying Schumacher's record for the most wins at a single circuit. And unless Botas really delivers his all like he did in the first Austrian race. I don't think there's any doubt that Lewis will hold the record for the all-time most wins and he'll have tied the record for most world championships by the end of the season. Also, what, what is, I mean, if you, look, if you looked at him after the race, he just jumped out of the car, ran here, ran there. He's fantastically fit. He is in tremendous form. And of course, he does have the best car. But let me point something out, which I've never, ever seen before. Uh, at the start, if you look at the opening picture, the car behind him was pink. At that point, Stroll was second. And it's, you know, and, and it's hard to imagine, as they were going towards the first corner, that Stroll, who, to be honest, most of us didn't rate very highly, there he was, literally just behind, well, briefly behind Hamilton, and um, I don't know if this is the right time or the wrong time, but I would like to mention the reason for this. No, it's... You've mentioned pink Mercedes. What they did, first of all, Toto Wolf, who runs Mercedes, and Stroll Senior are very, very close. So when Mr. Stroll 
went to Mercedes a little bit like you go to a supermarket and say, please, mister, can I have all the parts that I'm allowed to buy according to the regulations? And then he went to his private photographer. And let's face it, these days there are some amazing cameras. And from all the camera shots, the technician could put together all the bits they were not allowed to buy. Consequently, they ended up with a sensational car. Oh, yeah. And I mentioned, I think it was last week, that Stroll had had his moments, but was regularly beaten by Sergio Perez. This was the first weekend that I can remember where he out-qualified him and he out-raced him. And I think, now that we're going off topic a little bit, I think it's the perfect time to move to, and he couldn't have chosen a better weekend to do it because in the last week, the rumor mill has suddenly started churning that Perez, who is under contract until the end of 2022, I think, he's going to be dumped for Sebastian Vettel, who would partner with Lance Stroll at what next year will be the factory Aston Martin Formula One team. And Toto Wolf, of course, is an investor in Aston Martin as well, just adding to that sort of connection. And Lawrence Stroll bought a huge, like, he owns, a, is it a 20% stake in Aston Martin? He's certainly the boss. But um, in the meantime, just to put the cat among the pigeons, uh, Dieter Mateschitz, who is the boss of Red Bull, told his team to see if they could get hold of Fettel to go back to, go back to Red Bull because he loves Fettel. And after all, he won four, four world championships for him. So um, I don't think it's a done deal. In fact, there are lots of deals which I think are happening and uh, the, the, the gossips and the rumor mill is doing overtime. Um, I would respectfully suggest that uh, the two Haas drivers who did put up quite a show this time, I personally don't think either of them will be with the team next year. So I, I, and I also am wondering Looking at Kimi Raikkonen, if I may, for a second, who finished 15th, a former world champion, why or why is he still plodding around in a car in, you know, in which he has absolutely no chance? Well, I think that the reason that he's plodding around in a car that has no chance is, I'm afraid to say, it's because that car is powered by a Ferrari engine. And they, along with Haas, have become the only teams that regularly finish in front of Williams this year. And nothing else has changed. And Kevin Magnuson hinted at that in an interview last week. So I think that Raikkonen and Giovinazzi and Grosjean and Magnuson are all just sort of stuck. They're victims of the secret agreement from Ferrari's 2019 power unit that, you know, continues to have repercussions. And on that note, since we're not, since we're continuing to stray off course, do you predict there's ever going to be a resolution to this? Is, are these teams just going to be crippled by their power units until the new regulations come in? Is there any way that you have heard that Ferrari might be able to get back on par with the parity with the other teams? I don't think they're allowed. I, I, thought, I thought that uh, the engines were sealed in as much as the, the, the FIA put a block on, you know, on, on, on all of these things. So, I honestly can't see any hope for any of them uh, unless they can come up with some amazing aerodynamic gizmo like like coming back to 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 stroll and to uh, to the pink cars because 
Uh, Williams could have theoretically could have done the same thing because they also have a Mercedes engine and Russell is every bit as good as Stroll, but they they didn't go to the Mercedes supermarket and they didn't get all the bits and pieces. Consequently, they're languishing. And just to make things worse, Russell, who got a little bit carried away on, on Friday, and when his great mate Albon didn't do very well, he went over to Red Bull and started protesting. What are you doing to my friend? So Verstappen said, excuse me, but would you mind terribly minding your own business? Which was the right answer. I mean, he had no business, uh, you know, marching over there. Let's go back to the race in Hungary. Last thing I think I said, we talked about Lewis's dominant victory. Verstappen finished second and Botas qualified second in great position, but he jumped the start. So just before the lights went on, his car lights went off, sorry. His car lurched forward, then slowed. The lights went out and he went, but he wasn't penalized. And as I understand it, it's because the car didn't trip the sensors, but his car was moving before the start. I mean, what if a sensor malfunctioned? Is, is the sensor the only thing that says whether it's a jump start or not? We've seen other drivers get penalties for doing that thing and coming to complete stop. So it was hard to me that they let him continue. I would have thought it was the job of the stewards. And clearly they saw, and, and, and for some reason, they didn't punish him. But even if they had, he still would have finished third uh, because they were way ahead of everybody else. You know, we should we should step in there to say he fell back to sixth at the start and yeah. then never managed to recover to catch up to Verstappen. And he caught up to him, I guess, on the penultimate lap or the final lap, but couldn't get the job done there. Yeah. But it was, it was, again, like you, stewards, I don't understand why they didn't step in and do something. There wasn't even a little warning saying they were investigating it. It just apparently never happened in their eyes. I think it's a bit of an embarrassment, actually that he couldn't get past Verstappen. Oh, I agree. I, 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 and, and a number of people are, in spite of what's, oh yes, I have a contract for next year and all of that. I don't think it's written in, in, in stone. I could be wrong. Um, Wait, but Botas, is, Botas doesn't have a contract for next year. Neither he nor Hamilton do technically. Nobody thinks that Hamilton won't be there. And honestly, I don't, who would you put in the car instead of Valtteri? If you want a driver that's going to at least regularly deliver second-place finishes. Well, the only one, of course, is under contract to Ferrari, and his name is Charles Leclerc. Right, but he's not going to go there and... He's not going to go there and be, and be understudy, for sure. Um, may I just for a second go back to 1986 and the first race? Because... Um, I don't know. I mean, I know I've mentioned it last last week. It was a. It really was a, an absolute jamboree from all over Europe, and I, I probably mentioned that at that time, East Germans and West Germans met for the first time because Hungary was still behind the Iron Curtain, so they could actually go there, and all sorts of crazy things were happening. And both Alan Prost and Stefan Johansson were racing at that Grand Prix. And they were both staying at the same hotel, except that Prost had a very fancy automobile with four people in it, 
And Stefan, who was on his own, was racing in a larder, which is sort of a Russian fear. And he kept passing Prost, or Prost's rather fancy car. I think it was a Mercedes. And Prost's team got so livid at the red lights that, they, and this, is, this I have from Johansson himself, who's a mate, he confirmed it several times. They jumped out and then jumped on top of his Russian-built Fiat until the roof completely caved in and he could barely see out of this rack, which I hasten to say, of course, is a rent-a-car. But these sort of things um, don't happen anymore. Uh, there was no social media and there was none of those. It was, just, it was, considered, it was considered fun. So Botas finished the day in third, followed by Stroll that we've talked about. Alex Albin was fifth, and he was followed by Sebastian Vettel in sixth. That's, that's Vettel's best result of the season. And aside from locking up and sliding off the track in one corner, which allowed Albin to get by him earlier in the race, he had a solid day, um, despite a, I believe it was a 9.2-second pit stop, when he got sort of stuck behind a, a line of cars that was pouring into the pits early in the race when everybody got off intermediates onto slicks. Um, but it was a solid day for him. And it was, I'm sure, uh, good for him to handily beat his teammate, Charles Leclerc, who finished in 11th after Ferrari made a very strange decision to put him onto soft tires when every other car in the field was on I think they were all on mediums, but there might have been a few on hards. Leclerc was the only soft runner, and within five laps, he was complaining. I think he called them rubbish on the radio, and that was his day. This comes back to Bidotto. It, this comes back to uh, the fact that, uh, you know, James, uh, James Allison is not Mercedes, so they don't have someone of his caliber at Ferrari to call the shots and they keep making these, uh, these mistakes. I don't quite see how it's going to get any better. Uh, on, you know, first of all, Fettel is preoccupied with all the speculations about his future. There's, of course, COVID around us. We don't even know if we can go to Spain, because in Barcelona and Catalonia, you know, that part of Spain, um, the, the virus came back with a vengeance, so they might have to cancel the Spanish race. It's a miracle that we've had three races so far. And I really have to salute Liberty for somehow pulling it off uh, with just two casualties. And I do hope that both of those people will be fine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's when we were talking a few months ago about whether we thought that the season could even start in Austria, I didn't think it would. I didn't think that would be possible, that they could make sufficient plans and arrange to get all the teams there, but they did. And you compare it to, to the problems, very much to my regret, in the United States, for instance, with basketball in Orlando. You know, they've got this tournament organized and, and uh, various players are discovering that uh, they've got the virus. The same thing happened in, in NFL, something like 60 or 70 uh, players uh, have it. Uh, the same with uh, baseball. So it, this is when you have to salute Liberty because they put something off that regrettably in the United States, a lot of 
major com- organizations couldn't pull it off. Yeah, and they're crossing international borders to do it. And they're going to Russia. Uh, they're going to Russia in September for the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, and that's a logistic nightmare because they cannot truck across Belarus and Ukraine. They have to air freight everything. And it's going to cost them an absolute fortune. I don't know who's underwriting it, but whoever it is has an awful lot of money. Um, we mentioned a moment ago that uh, Leclerc finished in 11th. And that brings us back to your favorite team, Haas. He finished one position behind Kevin Magnussen. And the reason for that, of course, was on the formation lap. Before, as the cars were lining up on the grid, both Haas's pulled into the pits and changed onto slick tires. So they missed out on the, all the tire swaps that happened in the first handful of laps. And kept Magnussen, ultimately crossed the line in ninth, but then both Haas drivers received a 10-second penalty for talking to the team on the radio and coming up with this strategy. And you and I have talked a lot about the let them race ideology, and this time at least I agree with you. It's insane that a team can't make that call to the drivers. And, and yet Bottas was not penalized for... Yeah. For jumping the start. You know, I'm afraid the stewards are so often full of inconsistencies. And this is just another classic example of that. So we've been rambling here a bit. How would you rate the Hungarian Grand Prix? I thought it was a, I didn't think it was nearly exciting as the first race in Austria, for instance, but that was attrition and safety cars. And I don't think it was quite as good as the second Austrian race. But we still saw great battles in the midfield. We saw Perez coming back up through the field. We saw Botas coming back up through the field. We saw Verstappen's pre-race rebuild. Um, well, the way I see it, of course, first of all, there were no spectators. Secondly, it was gray. It was drizzling. It was miserable. The, the only, but, but, but at least it happened. And we still, as you so rightly say, saw some dicing. But I would, I would suggest that as long as Lewis Hamilton drives the way he's driving, um, he's in a totally different league. His car is the best. He's in absolute top form. And um, obviously without him, it would be very exciting. But having said that, you can't just remove the master who, um, who is... Uh, who, who, who is, as I say, simply brilliant. That's it for this episode of the Forza F1 podcast. Join us in two weeks after the British Grand Prix. Thanks for listening this week. We'd love to hear from you, so get in touch if you have any questions or comments via our website, forza-mag.com. That's F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G.com. You can follow us on social media at Forza Mag, F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G, no hyphen.